0: today's message. And so I was trying to think of, how do I wanna start today? And I thought, well, it makes sense that I would share a family story and that I would share something that demonstrates one of our values, which is being authentic and be a little vulnerable with you. So this story that I'm about to share, it's not deep or earth shattering, but it is something that only one other person knows about. um, And that's my wife, who I was dating at the time when this little um, family issue happened. And so she was with me. We, her and I, were in high school at the time. We had driven, I'm not sure where we were, we must have been picking something up at Harding's or getting some food, I'm not sure, but we were in my mom's car. She had a Nissan Versa at the time, and my mom keeps her car pretty clean, and it's it's really in nice shape, and so there weren't many scratches or dents or dings on it. And we were driving, we picked up the stuff that we needed to, we came home, I drove up into the garage and I got out. I don't know if my hands were full or if I was being lazy, but I turned around and Amanda and I were talking and I shut the door with my backside. And as I shut the door with my backside, I leaned forward and looked back to make sure it was shut. And I realized there was a nice butt cheek sized dent in the side of my mom's car. And Amanda said, look what you just did. And I said, yeah, what are we gonna do about this? And I thought, well, maybe I can just deny it, maybe I just ignore it, maybe we just go on. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she said, well, what are you gonna say? Are you gonna tell them? Are you not gonna tell them? And I decided we will never tell anybody about this. So we went on with our day. To this day, my parents don't know that I put the butt cheek size dent in the side of my mom's car. We went on with our day my parents were talking in the kitchen a few days later my dad was asking how do you think that got there do you think a shopping cart hit it do you think somebody's door hit it in a parking lot did you hit something where have you been what have you been doing and i just walked through the kitchen i said i don't know i saw it too but no clue how that got there and i never told them what i'm wondering is do you have a family story of something that you did as a kid, maybe your cousins did it, maybe a sibling did it, where something happened, and it's not meant to be earth shattering or deep, but something like a butt cheek dent on the side of a car that you took part of, and you swore we will never tell anybody about this. Today, I wanna ask you to turn and talk with the people around you about your butt cheek dent story. Go ahead and turn and take a few minutes chatting. All right, if you can finish up the story you're sharing. So, since this is a family service, I wanted to start with the family story, because a lot of times those stories happen as we're kids or as we're young adults, and then we can laugh about them later, or maybe we never tell anybody about them. But, I wanted to start with the family memory to put the idea of family in your mind. Because today, we're gonna talk about one aspect of the family that I think we could learn a lot from. Unfortunately, this grouping in the family normally doesn't get a whole lot of credit. They're seen as the littles and that they have a lot to learn. But truthfully and biblically, I think there's something we can learn from them. So before we get started, the band's prepared a song to give you a clue as to what we're going to talk about. So check this out. All right, thank you guys for playing that for us. As you can imagine, we are going to be talking about children and what we can learn from children. Now it's interesting, and you should know, that song was written by the lead singer of Guns N' Roses, Axel Rose for a girlfriend at the time. And as he wrote that song, the rest of the band thought the song was gonna be a complete bust. It turned out it was one of their best performing singles on that album, and they made a ton of money from that song. Another cool piece is some of the lines that he uses in that song. See, he's referencing how his girlfriend's face makes him feel. And it's important for you to know that Axel did not have a great childhood. He had a really rough childhood, but he remembers one specific memory in life where he was looking up and he saw the ray of sun shining in his face and he looked at the bright blue sky. And as he looked at the sky, he thought to himself, Man, this is a place that I would love to go to. It looks so innocent. It looks so peaceful. It's away from all this trauma that I'm experiencing in the world. And in fact, the line of that song says, She has a smile that seems to me, reminds me of a childhood memory where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. See, he longed for that as a child. And what I think is really cool, and what I think we could learn from, is the imagination, the creativity, that children have in this world. That they view the world in a different way. And instantly, Axel was brought back to that memory, a place that he dreamed about and desired. See, children haven't gone through all of the life experiences that we have, and so they're innocent. They haven't been jaded by the world. And truthfully, if we looked at how our kids and the children around us are living, We may be able to learn something and we may be able to adjust our course towards Christ and get some things corrected in our life. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What can we learn from our children in this world? And I think it's supported biblically in a story. See, the disciples were walking down a hill. They were walking with Jesus as they were entering back into a town called Capernaum. This town was kind of their main um, hub as they were doing their ministry with Jesus. They had seen him do um, different miracles. He had told them that he was going to be crucified. He's predicted his own death twice. They know Jesus is the Messiah. They're following him. They believe in him. And what do they do while they're walking back down? They start arguing about which one of them is the greatest and see three different disciples record this in the gospel. And so we can look at exactly what happened because we have it recorded today. And so that's where I wanna start, is by diving in and seeing how that conversation went. Because Jesus knew they were arguing, he knew what they were arguing about, and he talked to them about it later. In Matthew 18, verse one through five, it was recorded. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, "'Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?' He called a little, Jesus, called a little child to him. He placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly, humble position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes such child in my name welcomes me. In Luke chapter 9, verse 46 through 48, it says, An argument started amongst the disciples as to which one of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you that is the greatest. Mark chapter nine, verses 33 through 36. Then they came to Capernaum. While he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they all kept quiet. Those of us that have been around children know when things go quiet, something bad is about to happen. Probably a story that they're not gonna tell their parents about putting a dent inside of the car is about to go down. The disciples got quiet because on the way, they were arguing about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be last and the servant of all. He took the little child whom he placed. Taking the child in his arm, he said to them, Whoever welcomes these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. So let's talk about this for a second. The disciples were walking with Jesus. They saw him do all of these miracles, and what they're consumed with is which one of them is the best. Something was off. Something was wrong. And as they were having this discussion, Jesus knows their thoughts and what's happening. So when they go to the home where they're having a meal, Jesus calls them out. It's an opportunity for correction. An adjustment needs to be made. And it's a chance for Jesus to teach even his followers. And so that's what he does. He takes advantage of the opportunity. And he lets them know, listen, what you're dealing with right now is a pride issue. You're worried about who's the greatest among you, what you need to do is be humble like these kids. See, pulling a child into the situation, for us, doesn't seem like a big deal because we find value in our children. We know that they have worth. They excite us. But in this culture, to be said, you need to become like a child would mean you're going to have equal rights to a slave children had no rights they had no decision making opportunities and so what did they do they simply lived their life at the lowest position in society now they were treated better than the slaves were but what jesus was saying is i know you live in a society where the kings and the rulers all want to have power and the way that they show their power is by having people serve them what you need to do is lower yourself to the lowest possible position that would have been a hard pill for the disciples to swallow. Because they lived in an economy that you wanted to be the best. You wanted people to serve you. And I wish that this was just the situation that the disciples dealt with. But I believe it's something that we still still deal with today. That we want to lift ourselves up and to become or be seen as the greatest And instead, we could take a lesson from our children, and we could just live life in a way that we humbly serve the people around us. And so what does that look like? See, in Matthew, Scripture continues to record another section where Jesus gives some instruction for all of us as Christ followers. He told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves. They must take up the cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, us as followers of Jesus have to be willing to humbly serve others. We have to humble ourselves because God wants us to become great. He wants us to accomplish our goals. He wants us to achieve things and passions that he's put in our life. But how do accomplish those is what God is concerned about. The motive behind why we're chasing after these different things is what he is concerned with. And what he wants to do, and what Jesus did in that moment, was a heart check moment. He said, how are you living? Are you pursuing your own greatness? Or are you living humbly like a child? And so there's two examples that I think or I see in our world today that I want to talk about because I think maybe you could fall in one of these two areas. Now there's a whole bunch more, but we only have enough time to focus on these two. And unfortunately, the first one I completely stink at. And I wonder if any of you do too. Uh The first place that you could tell if something's off in your life is how you are treating your family are you humbly serving your family first are they giving your best or are you giving 100 percent of yourself to your job to your friends to your hobbies to things outside of what god has called us to really focus on see one thing that tells me we might have this idea wrong is how we serve our families first if we're not serving our families, if we're not engaging with our families, if we're not there for them, then we have this out of whack and we're missing something because we're more focused on others around us. And truthfully, we can't serve others around us the way that God wants us to if we're not serving our family first. And so the the order that God would call us to live would be to serve your family, then to serve your friends, serve your community, serve your job, It all flows from how you are living at home that really matters. But all too often, we all, myself included, are consumed with how do we look on the outside? How does the world view us? Are we getting greatness or seen as great in our community and we pursue after that and we neglect what we're doing at home? And so for you, if there's something that could be off in your home life and you may not be serving your family well, that's a clear indication that there's some humble issues going on and you should go back and reflect and start making some adjustments because your family should come first in your life. And if it's not, something is off. And I am the worst at this. So I'm right there with you. I'm not pushing any judgment. There are plenty of adjustments that I can make and I hope that you join me during this process. The second area that I see a lot of people making mistakes when it comes to humbly living Is they want to achieve greatness in this world and the way that they go about it is they've been so jaded by this the world they take control in their own hands and so they focus on the legacy that they want to leave in this world and they take control of it they push aside the passions that God has given them in life they push aside the friends, they push aside the different directions, and they stay focused on what they believe is how they can leave a lasting legacy. And God wants us to leave a legacy. But the way that he wants us to pursue that legacy sometimes looks different. But often, we want to take control of our own legacy, and we will neglect the passions that God gave us. See, I was listening to an um, interview with a famous comedian, Steve Harvey and they asked him why do you have faith why do you trust god and basically they said you have all the money in the world you have everything that you need why do you still trust in god and he said you know what if i could do this on my own and if i could leave a legacy i would have skipped a whole bunch of heartache and jumped to this point in my life and i would have missed out on all of those learning opportunities I would never have achieved this without all of that, and the only way that I've gotten here is because of God, and because of that, the legacy that he chooses and wants to leave is a legacy that shows people God is the way to achieve greatness, and so nothing in his life is going to point people back to what Steve Harvey did in this world, yes, he worked incredibly hard, yes, he accomplished a lot of stuff. But at the core of who he is, he wants people to know that it's because he humbly served God to achieve greatness. He didn't just put his head down and try and achieve it on his own. So those are two areas that I think we as a community could completely change our community is if we started serving our families at home really well. We showed up in their lives. We gave them 100% of our best selves. And then we allowed everything to flow from there instead of giving them the leftovers and what is left in the tank. And number two, if we focus on how we're leaving a lifelong legacy. The goal is that you and I accomplish a ton of stuff in this world. But the only way that it's worth accomplishing is if we put our own pride aside and humbly serve each other. So that when we get to the point where we've achieved greatness, All we can say is, God did this. God is at the core of everything. He's the reason my family stayed together, because if it was up to me, I would have ruined that. He's the reason I achieved this in work, whatever that may be for you. He's the reason my family is here, and we're continuing to go, and so I have to serve God. The problem that the disciples were facing and the problem that you and I face, is we live in a world where we want to build ourselves up, And at times, God simply says, trust me. You need to trust me and humble yourself just like these children do. Because children don't have a decision in life. A lot of times they're just along for the ride, going wherever mom or dad may tell them to go. And so what else are they going to do other than simply live and enjoy life? For you and I, we need to look towards these children and see what adjustments we may need to make. Are you living humbly? And pursuing greatness through God, or are you trying to achieve things on your own? So, that is a lot to think about, and it wasn't just words for Jesus. See, he could have come into this world and cleaned it up, sacrificed however he wanted to, changed it. But he didn't do it with a prideful way or in a way that made himself great. He did it in a way where he hung on a cross for you and I. So Jesus had an opportunity. He could have changed the world any way he wanted to. But he said, if I'm going to call you to live humbly. I'm going to show you what it looks like. I'm going to sacrifice everything. I'm going to hang on a cross so that you can have a chance to decide if you wanna have a relationship with me or not. And so Jesus came and sacrificed on the cross. And today we have an opportunity to reflect on what that means. Him being mocked, beaten, abused, made fun of, and hanging there, all for what? For his glory? No, for us to have an opportunity to know him. And because of that opportunity, we have a chance to choose to serve our families well, and to leave a lasting legacy that points people to Christ. And I want you to reflect on that as we take communion here in, in a second.